Raiders finally get a home game. Come in here one and one. And let's talk with the man. The myth, the legend. He's not a myth. This guy's the real deal. We know that. My man, the former Raider himself and a part of the Raiders Radio Network, does a fantastic job. Back again for another season, Lincoln Kennedy. Big Link, what's happening, brother? What's good, TC? How you doing, brother? I am good, man. I am good. How you doing, man? I mean, you're you're doing Raider games. You're doing college games. You're just staying busy as usual, aren't you? Yeah, you already know. You already know. It goes without saying. It's just how the season rolls for me, man. Love it, Keep man. it busy. Love it, love it. <laughs> All right, man. Let's talk about uh, Buffalo, huh? Uh, thoughts on the game there in Orchard Park, how it unfolded, uh, and how quickly things changed, Link, in this game. I mean, right in front of our eyes. Raiders got off to a really good start, and all of a sudden, boom, it came crumbling down uh, after the second possession. Uh, give me some thoughts on, on what you saw, and especially at that moment where the game flipped for the Raiders. Well, I mean, even for that start, the first play of the game, it was a tackle for a four-yard loss. Why? Because the right guard Van Roten got pushed back in the backfield. So that kind of was a telltale sign of what's to come uh, for this for me in, the, in this game. And, of course, I was I – was, I was excited to see the Raiders be able to march down their first drive and get a touchdown. That was that was rewarding. They did a, they did a lot of things to catch the Bills off, you know, sort of off on on their heels very early. Because I had said when that jet sweep happened, uh, it, I was there was no. That's the first time I've ever seen that 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 jet sweep had that much success since the Raiders have been running it. But all the all the defense of the Bills was focused on Josh Jacobs in the backfield, thinking it was a heavy run set and he's going to get the football. So. Took them, you know, that little stretch of drive where they got seven was really, you know, rewarding in a sense where he looks for the potential what this team could do, but then it kind of fell apart, as you mentioned. And just the, because the offense couldn't get anything done, no running game, there was no balance. You could only throw towards Devontae Adams so many times um, before you have success or failure. Uh, you just couldn't get anything done. And eventually, defense got worn out. Yeah, absolutely correct. And you know, speaking of the running game, I mean, obviously the Raiders have got problems with the running game. Just a, a total 180 degrees from where it was last year, where Josh, Josh Jacobs led the NFL over 1,600 yards. And you know, the Raiders were a legitimate dual threat offensively last year. But this year so far, I mean, you've got two games where. The Raiders have a, a combined what uh, 121 yards, 55 yards running the football in Buffalo, 61 in Denver, and then there's Josh Jacobs, uh, nine rushes for minus two yards. Um, right, that can't make a former offensive lineman like yourself too happy when you're watching this. Well, look, here's the thing: it what the the Raiders' issues are the fact that and they cannot block between the tackles right now. The last couple of games. The guards in the center of the interior three have gotten pushed back, haven't been able to get a good amount of push. And so, you know, when you talk about that and not having a good quality blocking tight end, you can't stretch the perimeter, you're really limited as to what you can do. It's really little or nothing if you don't, you minus sprint draws or things like that. So, but the, the thing is that just as you said, TC, because Josh Jacobs was the rushing champ from last year, teams are going to focus on him. Hell, Denver was, knows that for the last three years, he was the main person that beat them, so they came in and said, look, if you're going to beat us, it's not going to just be by handing the ball off to Jacobs. They took a focus on it. So did the Buffalo Bills. Teams are going to focus on the rushing champ of a year ago, and they're going to try to take him out. And right now, a lot of the runs that the Raiders are doing are predictable. When you bring in Thayer Mufford as your extra tight end or your extra blocker and you have Jakob Johnson, well, that takes two people away that you're going to possibly throw to. doesn't leave you a whole lot more options behind that. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of things that have to be said about 
Josh McDaniels is getting more creative uh, with this, with the run game and trying to figure things out and try to put the two pieces together that they can with the interior and exterior running game. But until then, they're going to have their issues running the football. You know, and that is a great point. A lot of people get get so caught up in the running back's numbers, but you don't think about the offensive line. A running back or a running game is only going to be as good as your offensive line, right? Just like pass right. protection, That's the same exactly thing right. with the quarterback. And I think, you know, that is that is a big key here. And let's talk about that real quick, okay? As a former O-line guy yourself, how would you grade what you've seen so far from the Raiders in the first two weeks at the O-line position? Well, it, it's still a work in progress. I think, I, you know, for one thing, I, I mentioned Van Roten earlier being pushed back uh, in, in the Bills game four yards. Um, I, I think a lot of times these guards or these interior linemen are playing too high going out of a two-point stance. These are just my personal preferences. I think they need to get lower as far as being more aggressive. And right now, when you look at this offensive line with the Raiders, I'm still trying to figure out who's that who's that snot-blowing slobber knocker. You know what I mean? That, that guy who's going to just grit his teeth and get his guys fired up. I'm, I, you know, Colt Miller's quiet and does it by his, you know, his work. But I, I, until that, I don't see any leadership coming out of this group. Right. All right. So back to Josh Jacobs here. Obviously, we know that he held out, missed training camp. Never a good sign for for any player, especially a workhorse running back. Twenty eight carries, forty six yards in the two games thus far. Link, is this? A, a product of him just missing training camp, or is there something more than, than just that? I think it comes to the blocking first. I mean, Josh Jacobs, I still think, has the ability. And though he missed training camp, he's not, he's not football training. You know, you know, I've always said P, PX90 is not football training, but you know, these guys want to do it in the offseason. So um, I, I believe in him, and I still believe in him. I just think that they got to do a better job at blocking and giving them an opportunity. They haven't been able to do that or showcase that in so far this season. All right. Lincoln Kennedy joins us. Does a fantastic job, of course, on the Raiders radio network. Jimmy Garoppolo, 16 for 24, 185 yards against the Bills, one touchdown, the two interceptions. I, I guess you could make the argument, okay, maybe those interceptions, at least one of them, maybe not on him or not. But, again, uh, talk about what you saw from Garoppolo, not only just from you know the, the quarterback uh, position, aspect and what he's seeing downfield, but just how do you like his command of the offense, the huddle, and, and how's he blending in with his team? Well, I, I think he's blending well, and, and of course, I think he's commanded respect of his teammates in the huddle. I, I just think when it comes to trying to evaluate the job that he did, one, did he have protection on the survey down the field? A lot of times, he, you know, you, he did, uh, you know, and so as the protection breaks down or as Jimmy G feels the, the pocket collapse, He's going to try to, you know, improvise and make a play. And I think he's, he's trying to do his best to keep this team together and, and keep this offense together. But I, I just think they need more. They got to have more out of Hunter Renfro. You got to have more out of the other receivers. You know, it seemed kind of lost. Well, you know, well, you not going in there full, you know, with your full conglomerate of receivers. You can only go to Devontae Adams so, so many times, but you know, Jacoby Myers and uh, Garoppolo had a unique chemistry in game one in Denver. You know, due to the concussion and, and Myers being out, you know, you couldn't go back to him this week. And they, they looked kind of lost without him in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Hunter Renfro, uh, MIA bore at least, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is missing him. One catch, 23 yards, uh, only target of not only that game, but of the season. I mean, nothing right. in week number one. What do you think is going on here? That I don't know. And that I can't put my finger on. 
because I always thought that with a good slot receiver, which I think Hunter Renfro is, it, this this offense can excel. But, you know, as you mentioned, there was only the one target this season, and I can't really explain why. For the limited amount of plays that he's been in there, I don't know if he's been a decoy or just hasn't done the right timing to get open. I, I'm, I can't put my finger on it right now. Yeah, it is a little bit strange. And like you said, there's no doubt uh, Hunter Renfro is one of the best slot receivers, you know, in the NFL. And, you know, a quarterback, especially, I guess, when he comes to a new team, and maybe you could speak on this, where, like you said, they get locked in, like, maybe to a guy. And we always know that there is that that chemistry thing that a quarterback really feels good with maybe a certain receiver or two. Do you think that is maybe more the case here? Well, I mean, it, it's really hard to say because, you know, for you think about it, for only the little bit of time that we saw in preseason at the starting group, I should say, and then you know it was very limited, and then you come to the season, and it, it it a lot of it to me seems brand new. Look, I look, I know they practice, you know, these things, and they try to practice these speeds, but you cannot duplicate game speed and practice. And so it was, it was, it was surprising to me that there was such a connection in the first game, more so than anyone else with Jacoby Myers. And I kind of figured that, you know, because both of them come, come from that similar offense, they might, they might have had that little bit tighter of chemistry than say, you know, Garoppolo and the other receivers. But that would be premature. You got to expect that when you go to any game this year, Devontae Adams is going to be double covered in some form. They, you know, they're not going to allow him to get off. So you kind of have to take him out of the equation unless you can get lucky and get creative and, and maybe find some way of getting him open. I mean, that's, and maybe that's times you put him in the slot. I don't know, TC. There's a lot of things that quantify whether or not yeah. you know a guy has a chemistry with someone else this early in the season. It usually took us the first month to kind of figure it out. Right. No. Excellent point. You know, back to Devontae Adams. We've seen him be emotional um, at times last year for you know for the good and, and the bad here. How, how do you think that? And again, I'm not asking you to get in his mind or anything. I just, again, the way you're seeing uh, this team and the way you're calling the games and seeing these guys off the field here. I mean, w- w- Devonte Adams in his role. Do you think he's happy with with where he's at right now uh, after these first two games? What are you seeing with him? Well, I mean, look, I see a, still a very talented receiver that finds ways to catch everything that comes around him, torquing his body and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if the Raiders really try to target him as much because they knew he was going to be double covered. But, you know, for for the most part, he's a trooper. He's still one of those guys that's going to do his damnedest to get open. Um, and, you know, you think about it, TC, when you have, at least on paper, this talented of a receiver core, it's hard not to pick one or be to have a favorite with one, especially if you feel you have a stronger chemistry with them. But these other relationships are going to develop. And number 17 is going to be a beast no matter what. And I, I've seen it. And they, they've tried to get the ball into them this past weekend. The Buffalo Bills double covered them, especially over the top, made it a very tight window, made it very hard to make completions. Yep, no doubt. Lincoln Kennedy joins us and getting ready for the home opener coming up on Sunday night. It is the Raiders hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's talk about these Steelers. They looked much different from week one to week two, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And, and again, Look, the, the Raiders don't have to look any further than the way teams have doubled Max Crosby to see what, what teams are going to do to T.J. Watt, what they need to do to T.J. Watt. So they're going to have to find they're going to take one less person out of the equation. they got to get more creative with the passing game, and more importantly, got to get more creative with the timing. So Pittsburgh still is a very stingy defense. They play combination coverages, and they, they feel fine with getting their generating pressure with front four, 
which means the receivers have got to do a better job of getting open with the time mounted. Uh, that way Jimmy doesn't have to scramble or, or collapse, watch the pocket collapse around him. You know, when you look at that Steelers-Browns game the other night, I mean, Cleveland really dominated that game, and from a statistical standpoint, they really did. But then the Steelers' defense was so impressive, and they forced four turnovers, three fumbles, one interception, two defensive touchdowns. I mean, if it wasn't for the Steelers' defense doing all that, they would have came away with their second loss of the season here. But, you know, matching that Steelers' defense up against the Raiders' offense, how do you see that? Well, right now it looks like it's going to be advantage Steelers' defense. Play with a little bit more energy, and the Raiders are coming off a loss. They've got a lot. The Raiders have got a lot of things to figure out with their offense, both running and passing game. And you got to try to take a look at the holes in that Steelers' defense. But against Cleveland, you didn't see much. If it wasn't for that Steelers' defense, Pittsburgh wouldn't have won. Their offense is still enough, and we don't want them to find their way either. You know what I mean? So we'll take it as it comes. But. The Raiders' offense has got a lot of work ahead of them. They had trouble running the football. They had trouble passing the football. They had trouble passing, you know, against one of the better teams in the AFC. That's what goes without saying. But this Pittsburgh defense has always been synonymous with creating turnovers and being stingy in the run game. So the Raiders have got to be creative and better offensively in order to put the pressure on their, the opposing offense. What potential matchups, Link, or specific ones are you looking at this week that – are a major concern for the Raiders? Obviously, it's the offensive line versus Pittsburgh's defensive front. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, not only do you have you know, T.J. Watt, but you got Hightower over on the other side, and, and they've got a potent rush on the inside. And last week, you know, the, the rush, the interior rush, is the one that really collapsed the pockets uh, against Buffalo. All right. All right. Uh, when you talk about the Raiders and the Steelers, there's all kinds of history here. And we know that. And just over the years, these two teams have been linked together and it's all always, you know, a, a battle, whether the teams are good or bad or indifferent. And everyone's going to go back to those, those games in the seventies, even the eighties of, uh, the rivalry. Um, how much black and gold do you think that we're going to see at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday? Oh, come on. Now you already know it's going to be a, a massive turnout. Man. First of all, Pittsburgh travel, Pittsburgh naturally, their fan base travels well. Man. So that's first and foremost. And we already know Allegiant is the, is the 10th wonder in the world. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, it, it's one of those places where everybody wants to come see, especially after COVID. And you want to have a chance to enjoy your time in, in Vegas, obviously for the weekend. And then you come see a football game. So it's going to be a big turnout by black and gold. Yeah, you got that right. All right, man, let's uh, look at real quick here before we let you go, uh, the rest of the league. What's kind of caught your eye or maybe the biggest surprise um, for you after the first two weeks of the NFL season? Probably the trouble that Cincinnati has had and scoring and moving the ball. So that's probably the biggest surprise. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Link, I appreciate the time as always, man. Uh, Look forward to listening to you with the call. Uh, with you and Jason Horowitz on Sunday, and look forward to seeing you up in the press box on Sunday night. Appreciate you, bro. Be okay. good. I'll talk to you later. You got it, brother. Right there he is, Lincoln Kennedy, one of the best. Former Raider himself uh, does a great job and has on the radio side for the Raiders for many, many years.